it's been said that success without fulfillment is like the ultimate death. You have to have a little bit of the fulfillment to help you balance out the success. Like, what is it that you do that you can draw energy from? What what do you draw energy from? You know, and if you don't have it, like, maybe you should. Maybe you should figure out what your thing is where you draw energy because that rounds out our lives and helps us feel better about our life experience. Hi, and welcome to the From MD to Entrepreneur podcast, an inside look on how to become a physician entrepreneur. Welcome to the From MD to Entrepreneur podcast, and today we've got an exciting conversation in store for you. I had the pleasure of sitting down with our guest, Michelle Dickinson, who's all about resilience and living life to the fullest. Now, I know these past couple years that we've been through a lot and resilience is really something that we could all use a little bit more of. As we dive into our conversation, we touch on the challenges that many of us in healthcare face, the concept of moral injury, and why it's essential to take a proactive approach to self-care. We explore signs of burnout and how small changes can make a big difference in our lives. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? Awesome. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it took a little bit for us to connect, but uh, glad we stuck through it because resilience is something that I really can't get enough of. And uh, one of the podcasts that I had recently was talking about how to raise resilient children. But anything with children, it's start with yourself, right? And I think this is something that is, at least in medical school, it should be a key part but it often isn't. So would love to talk and hear about your story um, uh, briefly, kind of how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, my business partner and I believe that resilience is really a lifestyle. And if we can have people start to relate to resilience as something that they're doing for themselves every single day, they're building that and not waiting to hit burnout or not waiting to hit like a mental health concern. Um, They have more power in the now to be able to build their resilience so they can just ebb and flow with the stress that's inevitable in life. So we know we will never not have stress coming from family, job, whatever situations that are going on in our lives. So why not learn how to be able to ebb and flow with it so it doesn't like devour us? So that's a little bit about like our philosophy around resilience as a lifestyle. Um, I would say that my story has led me to do the work that I'm doing. I grew up with a mom who suffered from bipolar disorder. So I witnessed what it was like to for her to deal with the uh, manic highs and low lows. And it shaped me into the person that I am and um, ultimately led me to give a TED talk, write my memoir, become a very passionate mental health advocate until um, the point where I just said to myself, you know, there's more we should be doing about this proactively. Why are we waiting for it to come to a point where, you know, you have to deal with a diagnosis. Why are we not getting ahead of it? And if I could have wished anything, it would be that I could have shared some of the practices that I share with my clients, with my own mother. Um, because when I was diagnosed with depression and I asked my physician for medication and he challenged me to find healthy vices to help myself, that was one of the greatest gifts that he he gave to me because then I learned 
What is it that I need to do to fill my cup? What, what are practices and things I can do to feel better? Gave me more control over that. And, uh, and I want to sh- just share that with people so that they realize they have, they have a lot of control in what they do every day, uh, but they forget. I think a lot of us in medicine have that same frustration uh, in medicine where uh, we're really not focused on preventative care uh, and we're really focused on like, okay, now you have a heart attack. Here's the things that we can do. You know, here's the five medications to take. We could put in a pacemaker. We could put in a stent. We could do all this stuff. But it's really like the 20 years before, the 30 years before that we should have really worked on, worked with people. And it's even worse for mental health because we're not necessarily checking in on yeah. a regular basis, at least for medicines such as cholesterol. Uh, where, you know, every so often at age 35, age 40, you're going to get your cholesterol checked. But right. how often, even though we're supposed to, how often are we really checking in on our mental health status? It's true. And, you know, so many people, the first thing that they say to me is, you know, when there's time, when there's time, I'll go and I'll take care of myself. When there's time, I'll go to the gym and move my body. When there's time, I'll go and disconnect from work. And I always say, like, we got to grab it. Like, no one's coming along. Like, no one's coming to save you, number one. And no one's coming along to say, hey, I'm going to take that off your plate. So you go take care of you. You know, we have to really get the impact of neglecting ourselves. And that's a lot of what I talk to people about is like you not doing anything for your emotional well-being is neglecting yourself. You're you're it's like a time bomb. You're letting it go to the point where you can't do anymore. So it's really important to have people shift that like don't wait for it. Take the time for you because the people that love you, the people who care about you are counting on you. And um, I'm sure you want to show up the best version for them. So, Michelle, I'll push back a little bit. Probably one of the biggest objections you have is, Michelle, I don't have any time. There's nothing I can do. I'm already stretched to the brim. So how would you kind of talk to this person and work uh, to kind of give them an assessment and uh, some tips on what to do next? Well, I would I would first say, what do you think the impact of you running at this pace is having on your health? And what do you think the impact of you in the most important relationships is having your wife, your husband, your family? Are they getting the best version of you or are they just getting someone who's trying to hold it together and keep going at, at a at a unsustainable pace? I mean, let's face it. It's, it can be, you know, when you look at the number of hours and the number of, you know, yeah, the, the sheer number of hours, the, the headspace, the work consumes, the impact is significant. So look at the impact on the people you love and say, is this how you want to show up? Is this how you want them to re- remember your role in their life? Right. And then if you, if you don't make the time, your body will right? Like I've always believed that if you don't take time to slow down, your body's going to remind you, you need to slow down whether or not you want it. Right. So like we know stress kills, right? Stress causes all of those horrible things, right? It can cause heart conditions and all kinds of things. I'm not a medical professional, but we know that excessive compounded stress is not serving us. So the only weapon we have is learning 
how to be able to handle that stress. And it does start with self-care. It does start with taking a pause. It does start with turning off all the noise around you and getting quiet and just, and being present and giving yourself the mental break. You know, I mean, all these things are so important for being the best version of you at work and at home. I know one warning sign for myself is uh, whenever I get into a shower or lay down to go to sleep and my mind's just 100 miles an hour, just racing, nonstop thoughts. And I'm just sitting there being like, too quiet. <laughs> I really need to get to And it's always one of those nights where I, you know, uh, maybe I haven't slept for the last couple of nights because I've been working. Uh, what are some signs that you've seen kind of subtle that maybe someone is going down this maybe burned out uh, moral injury kind of path before really the alarm bells and red flags and that stuff is coming up? I do this uh, very interesting, but yet very important 22 question resilience audit. And and we, we take a step through that to really understand people's lifestyles. And more people, more more often people don't realize how compromised sleep is really impacting their ability and their cognition in the daytime, right? So it's it's the simple review of what they're doing that gets them present to, oh my goodness, like I had four hours of sleep the other night. Oh my goodness, I haven't moved my body, like really gotten a good cardio workout in like three months. And oh my goodness, like I haven't, you know, connected with my best friend that I know that when I connect with them, it feels good, like little things. So it's really, and we don't take a look at that stuff. We just keep going. Right. So it's really sobering to really get them. Most of the time we step through the questions and then I just shut up and say, so what do you see? And they're like, well, I got to do this. I got to, I definitely have to change that. Well, that, oh my goodness, look at that. I'm, I'm on a slippery slope there. So they're actually coming to the realization that something has to give they got to do something different um, because they can see like, what's the probable almost certain future if you were to do nothing? Like that's another reality check. Well, if you keep going at this pace, do you really think 60 hour, 70 hour work week is sustainable for an extended period of time? Think about it. Is it really sustainable? And then you get them to see that and you go, okay, well, what small changes can you make? What are the small changes you can make to just move the lever a little bit so that you get a little bit of a break for yourself? Yeah, no one else is going to do this for you. You know, if anything, your work is going to push you to work harder, right? Harder. And uh, in a medicine, uh, a lot of people talk about moral injury, right? Um, so feeling helpless in a system that's taking advantage of us and everyone else. Uh, and it's no no one person's fault. It's kind of the system as a whole. But yeah, you know, your boss is going to work you till 60 hours a week, 70 hours, because that's how much they're working and so on. And so it really takes taking a stand, right? Realizing what's important in life and trying to make small changes. Of course, you know, you can't change the system as a whole, but you can change your the habits that you're doing, right? So like taking work at home, answering phone calls or, you know, ruminating about patients that you saw uh, weeks ago, right? Uh, and focusing on kind of bad responses that you had to people, or maybe someone cut you off or was rude to you. Um, and it's just taking up mental bandwidth um, that you could be spending, like you said, you know, going out for a walk. I'm not even saying exercise, go out for a walk, you know, yeah. go to your favorite meal, reach out to your, um, hang out with a little bit of your kids, play with them, watch a movie. 
Yeah, I love that. And I always say to people, you know, we got to remember the mind is not wired to make us happy. The mind is wired to protect us. So organically, it wants to go to all those things that are bothering you. What bothers you? What upsets you? What's wrong? What's broken? What needs your attention? And it will suck all of your energy in that direction if you're not careful. And so why I raise that is because we have the ability to shift our attention to something other than that. And one of the things I'm a huge advocate for is gratitude, because gratitude has the ability to shift our focus to all the love and the abundance that we're very easily stepping over to focus on all that's broken. So a simple gratitude practice of, well, let me get present to what is good, because when I go to work, it's all bad. So why not take a few minutes to focus on what's good and pause and take a break and even give myself that feel good energy of, oh my God, my, my children are healthy. I got a roof over my head. Like I'm planning um, a family getaway. Like that's going to be amazing. Like whatever it is, if you can focus on that and feel good in those moments, like give yourself that because we all know that the attention from the outside world is going to grab us and we're going to have to pay attention to it, unfortunately. So where have you seen, uh, I know you're, you're thinking about working with first responders, many of which are physicians. Have you seen any, anything kind of unique to us um, in your, your coaching practice? It's very interesting. Um, the healthcare first responder space we are about to get into, we just got into um, the first responder space, whether it was police and fire and um, EMT. And the traditional approach to helping this population boost resilience is through blanket training, right? Like a blanket training module or like, you know, sit in front of a presentation and devour a large amount of information. And I think what makes us so unique is that if every conversation is so personalized and not, it's not a one size fits all, what isn't working for you? Yeah, we know the system's broken, but there are little things that might be working for your peer that they're doing that don't work for you. So it's such a customized approach. And that's why we're really excited is because if we can help people preserve their emotional well-being and create more balance in their life before the um, tragedy that they have to endure, they're at least going to have more footing to be able to, to navigate it. So it's really customized what we're doing and we're excited to get into the healthcare space because we do believe that having these conversations proactively and not trying to do one size fits all, go do all of this, rather, oh, this works for you, do these few things and, and we're going to monitor how you feel, you know, week over week and we're going to see the change. I think that's what's super exciting about the whole resilience coaching approach because it is proactive and very individualized. What would you say would be someone that you kind of just see, maybe you're just at a party talking to people and you're like, you are the perfect coaching client because I feel that I could really help you uh, with building some resiliency. What, what kind of, tell me about their life. Tell me who they are. Yeah. You know, I think it's um, the person that is slowly feeling like exhaustion is dominating their life. And so if you look at Coming out of COVID, um, we were we were basically taught how to survive, do what we needed to do to survive, 
And um, the concept of joy wasn't even on the table. It was just, do you have your toilet paper? Are you safe? Do you have your mask? Are you going to go to the grocery store when you're allowed to? Um, The concept of joy seems to have evaporated coming out of COVID. So one of the things that we see over and over and over is people telling us that they've lost their sense of joy. So if I was talking to someone at a party and they told me, you know, that they felt like they were on the path to burnout, they felt exhausted and they didn't have joy. I would say you are the person that I want to talk to because we do talk about values. We also talk about where their focus goes, energy goes, right? So if you're only focusing on all the things that you want to be different versus all the things you have, um, that's a very different experience. So we do, we, we look at the mindset. The mindset is so important. Life happens for you or life happens to you. Very, two very different perspectives. So I would say the person who is just out of love with their life is probably uh, going to be the person that we can make the greatest impact for. And the other person maybe who isn't as severe, who's just like ho-hum about their life experience, we can make a difference as well because we'll sit down and talk to them about, you know, when was the last time you, you engaged in the hobby that you once loved? When was the last time you connected with your best friend that you love to just have hours of conversation with? Little things, holding them accountable to do and tap into the things they know will make them feel good, but they just claim they're too busy. I really think of resiliency as a muscle, a muscle that needs to be worked out on a regular basis. So we we talked about uh, gratitude and uh, a way to kind of build up that uh, any other kind of exercises that you recommend that your clients would go through to really build up that resiliency muscle? So hopefully they don't even get to the preventative or the burned out phase. They're, they're you know, they're buff walking muscle beach. Having intentional morning routines. And I'm not saying you got to do Tony Robbins one hour <laughs> process. I'm saying what we see are people waking up and falling into their day with no intentionality and no pause to nourish themselves before they go caring for the world. So what you do, how you start your day is going to create a cascade effect throughout your day. So having a little bit of intentionality, taking a little bit of a pause for yourself before you start caring for everybody else can literally shift your experience of your day. So it's really, um, you know, carving out time for you every single morning and it doesn't have to be a long period of time. Yeah, and I'm sure for many people, that's really their only time throughout the day that they're really focused on themselves. Right. Uh, I mentioned in my course that people really ha- don't focus on themselves, you know, especially people in medicine, just really thinking about themselves, like their patients, their families, their own families, and everyone else. And uh, to the point that a lot of people don't even know what they want in life. Like, I'll ask them, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And, they have no idea or kind of how, what do you, what would you like to change? They don't know because we're just so used to, and maybe a lot of us were told to go into medicine because it's a great job or uh, I'm Indian. So it's kind of the, you know, the career that all a lot of Indian people go into. So you have this such a long period that really focusing on someone else, you get to a point where you're financially secure, but you don't know what to do and you're overwhelmed by all your choices. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like, you're so busy doing and your life is happening. Your life is passing you by and you're so busy doing. Um, 
there's just such a great opportunity to just pause for a second and look and say, you know, what is it that I want? What is it that brings me fulfillment? You know, it's been said that success without fulfillment is like the ultimate death. You have to have a little bit of the fulfillment to help you balance out the success. Like, what is it that you do that you can draw energy from? What what do you draw energy from? You know, and if you don't have it, like, maybe you should, maybe you should figure out what your thing is where you draw energy because that rounds out our lives and helps us feel better about our life experience. And all of us are different, right? Like for me, I hate meetings and just like the idea of sitting in on a meeting has 30 people on it and there's zero things get along. Other people, they're like sitting there all day. They have three cups of coffee and they could not want anything else. They just love to uh, talk about like the little intricacies, right? Like the color of things or like where the brackets go in this legal document. Um, but so, yeah, you're right. You got to figure out like what, what fills you up, right? Just like extroversion, introversion, right? Do you get full by being around people or do you refill your bucket by not being around people? Um, it's the same thing with stuff at work. So to try to live a little bit more intentionally, because if you don't, people are going to create your life for you, right? Like we get all these emails like, hey, would be nice for you to join this community committee at the hospital. No, I'm not joining any committees <laughs> at all. Uh, and so, but a lot of times you just say yes, right? It's, it's thought that it's part of your job description when it isn't uh, and you join it and you're just miserable and you're more miserable over time. Agree. Yeah, makes sense. It makes sense. And it's like, you know, so many of us are groomed from when we're little to be people pleasers, and then we get lost in the sauce. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, uh, I'd love to kind of round out this conversation with um, when you first started uh, entrepreneurship, or uh, what was there that you wish you would have spent more resources on, either time or money? You know, it's very interesting because I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. I spent 19 years in a corporate job. And uh, I gave the TED talk about my mom, I wrote the book, and then I just said, there's more for me to do. And when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I did not know anything about what it took to be an entrepreneur, right? Like, I think for me, if I could go back, and I could redo things, I would say, um, not having the fear of failure, it's all about failing and failing fast and failing forward and redefining and going again. I felt like I experienced paralysis because I didn't know every next step to perfectly take. And if I could go back, I would say I would have tried maybe a little bit more quickly, failed quicker, failed forward, learned from it and moved forward. Um, and just because you don't know how to be an entrepreneur doesn't mean you can't learn it. You know, like I think about your audience, you're able to learn some of the most amazing medicine. Like, of course, you'll be able to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Um, but don't let the fear of the unknown paralyze you from moving forward and uh, always be connected to your vision and your mission um, more than anything, because you're going to have the dark days that you need that connection to that vision to pull you forward when you just want to sort of, you know, stay stuck. Love that answer. And, you know, a lot of this stuff that we mentioned uh, throughout this podcast, be like, yeah, yeah, you know, you nod your head 
but it, it works, right? And it it it's simple in theory, but it's difficult to do, right? To live life more intentionally, to go up and exercise, to take a break, right? How many breaks do you have in a day where you're not doing something? So a lot of this, uh, I would just try to pick one of the things that you listened, uh, that you heard um, and try it for a week, try it for two weeks. And I guarantee it's going to make a big difference. For sure. Do something among, uh, you know, above all, try Try something different. Try something different than you're currently doing. And because uh, we know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and hoping things change. So we have to absolutely try something new, even if it's a little, a little change. Michelle, if people want to reach out to you, talk to you about coaching, where's the best place to send? I would say LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I am very active on. So I'm always posting information there. So it's Michelle E. Dickinson on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have any questions or would like to follow me, please sign up for my newsletter at frommd.com.